0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Appropriate Omnivore on the new Green Earth Radio. We've got a great show for you today. Our guest is Ryan Mason of The Boo Kombucha. Plus our desserts will tell you what how to live appropriate in the upcoming week. But first, let's go to appetizers and find out what happened this week in the world of real food. Scientists say there might be a direct link between intestinal bacteria and the risk for obesity. Overweight people seem to have different microbial profiles in their intestines than those of people at normal weight. Scientists also find that the bacteria in the obese people may metabolize the food in a way that stores more calories and turns the calories into fat. And this is a reason that I'm a strong proponent of fermented foods which contain cultures and healthy bacteria, making it easier to digest. Next, the North Carolina Board of Dietetics slash Nutrition is trying to shut down a blog called Diabetes-Warrior.net for practicing nutrition without a license. Blogger Steve Cooksey was hospitalized with diabetes in 2009 and was able to get off the drugs and insulin in a month by adapting to a low-carb, high-protein paleo diet. The NC Board says that he's allowed to blog about his diet, but it can't suggest others to follow it. This sounds a lot to me like a violation of the First Amendment, It's also hard to believe that he's the only one in North Carolina with a blog giving advice on nutrition. So you got to wonder, why have they singled out one which recommends protein over carbs? Also, Burger King says that by 2017, all of their eggs and pork will be cage-free, making them the first major U.S. fast food chain to do so. Which, I have to say, this is small progress. First off, why will it take them five years to do so? We need this change now. Secondly, the term cage-free is so broad. I mean, it can simply mean that animals have access to the outdoors but never see it. Still, this is a step in the right direction. Let's hope Burger King and all other fast food chains make more changes for the better. Next, clothing retailer Patagonia is starting a food line, which they call Patagonia Provisions, and advertise as a sustainable substance. Their first product is salmon jerky, which is wild-caught, non-endangered salmon from British Columbia. Patagonia is well known for their environmental commitment. A good portion of their profits go to green organizations. It's great to see them in the real food movement, too. And lastly, the good news for sustainable food continues. The Organic Trade Organization's yearly survey found that the organic market was up 9% last year. This makes a growth in dollar terms of $2.5 billion. And as the appropriate omnivore, I'm extremely happy to see that the largest area of growth in organics was in the meat, poultry, and fish sector. Another great success to hear in what's been a mostly positive week in the world of real food for once. And now for our main course, which today is kombucha. Kombucha is a fermented tea. It contains active cultures which are good for your gut. Since the beginning of the year, I've been drinking kombucha every day as part of the kombucha challenge from kombucha mama Hannah Crum. I love to start my morning with it. It has only a little caffeine, so it's a great substitute for coffee. I often drink with other meals too. It's a healthier substance for things like soda pop. I'm a big fan of fermented foods. Fermentation allows you to digest a lot of ingredients easier. In addition to being a better way to consume caffeine... It also helps your body get things that you need, like sugar, and it's able to control your overall cravings for sugary desserts. And a great thing about living in Los Angeles is there are so many choices for buying kombucha that's made locally. I'm a big supporter of the locavore movement, so that's a great thing. And I mean, there's many reasons why it's available in California, and specifically Southern California. Um, certainly, there's been you know, recent, uh, a lot of celebrities like to do it, so it's been a popular thing with that. and with California, you know, certainly people are very health conscious, so it has those benefits also, you know, very eco-conscious, so it appeals a lot to that, and it's really kind of a, uh, it crosses over into a number of groups, I mean, um, you know, people like me, appropriate omnivores, the Weston a. Price Foundation, which is a big supporter of fermented foods, they're big supporters of kombucha, and then, I mean, you know, it even goes all the way into, like, to vegans, I mean, they're... They're big on that, too, because it's, you know, it is plant-based and it's it's raw, live. So, so there's, you know, all those reasons that you can get uh, great kombucha. And one of the uh, kombucha options that you have in L.A. is one called The Boo. It's a uh, Ventura-based company. So here to talk with me about The Boo Kombucha is Ryan Mason. Ryan, great to have you on the show. Good
1: morning. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Glad you could take the time to do it because certainly um, – Big fan of kombucha, and I love, you know, just trying uh, a lot of different types, so I'm glad that I've been able to uh, to try your your kombucha, which is, I have to say, is wonderful.
1: Thank you. Oh. Appreciate that. We tried to focus mainly on taste. Um, you know, we have an organic, raw, unpasteurized product like everybody else, but our, our goal is to make something that tastes good, that's enjoyable any time of the day.
0: Well, that's great. So now, how did you first get into making kombucha?
1: Well, uh, like a lot of people, someone turned me on to it a few years ago. Um, so a friend of a friend, I tried a few sips, didn't care for the taste, didn't try it again for a couple months, but then, uh, I tried it again. Cause my brother and his girlfriend were raving about it and I drank the whole bottle and, uh, 15 minutes later, I just felt, you know, you got the kombucha buzz I and mean, there's really no other way to explain it. You just feel really good. And it's not like any other. Uh, feeling that you get from any other beverage. It's not a caffeine energy. It's more of a sustainable, healthy energy. Like when you get a really good night's sleep or, you know, just have an extra pep in your step, as I like to call it. And, uh, I was kind of hooked from there on. And then, you know, I partnered with, uh, Gary and we just said, you know, let's see if we can make this stuff taste a lot better. Cause what we were drinking at the time tastes a lot like vinegar.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have kind of a similar story of getting into it because, um, I think most people I talk to the first time they drink the kombucha, they're like, what is this thing? I mean, they, you know, they think it's very sour. I mean, because I remember the first time was a girl I was dating at the time and with her at Whole Foods, she picks it up and I didn't know what it was, but um, she's, you know, she's like, try this, like, it'll, it'll taste weird the first time. Um, and I did, and I'm like, yeah, well, this is a uh, strange taste. And uh, <laughs> actually, soon after that, we broke up, so kind of uh, wasn't. Uh, you know, had tried kombucha for a while, and then then when I saw Hannah Crum at an event where she was uh, you know, she was sampling her, her kombucha camp, um, I tried and I said, you know, this is actually I, I liked it more the second time. And if you know, that was just a small sample, then she got me on the the thirty day kombucha challenge, which you drink it in a little larger portion. It was still a bit um, still a bit odd, but then after you know going through the whole month of January trying it, now it's like I'm thinking, like, I really thought this was, you know, too sour, too weird taste in the beginning because it's like I can't go without it. Um, You're right about it, that it gives you a great energy. I think, you know, that's a thing where it kind of can replace my coffee is the energy that gives you. And I like what you said, but it is important to make it make a good taste because, you know, when you make the kombucha just itself, it kind of doesn't have much of a taste. And that's where I think you need to add things like like fruits or, you know, other types of flavorings.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, it can be used for, you know, a sports drink alternative, It's you get the healthy energy, it's probably the best way to explain it, but I mean, a lot of people drink it instead of alcohol, you know, it is. A, it could be used as a social beverage, um, if you don't feel like drinking alcohol don't want the hangover, you can drink that and you get the little, you know, it definitely helps you socialize or gives you a little buzz, but it's a different type of buzz. And, um, you know, it's it's different. What's unique about kombucha is every batch, every brand is different because it's a live product. So every kombucha is kind of an artisan kombucha, uh, which makes it interesting. But our goal has always been, you know, kind of the greater goal of the company, Makana Beverages, is to make healthy taste good. If we want more people to eat healthy, drink healthy, live a healthy lifestyle, um, you know, on the food and beverage side, it's making it taste good. And I think there's a misperception that if it tastes good, it's not good for you. That's not necessarily true. You can make a lot of healthy food taste good by cooking it the right way and using the right seasonings. And you can do the same thing with beverages. And that's been our goal with uh, the Boo is just to make it taste good so it's more widely accepted and it kind of grows the kombucha category as a whole.
0: I think that's a good point you make about how it, um, each one tastes different. And I think that's it's a great thing about fermented foods. And I'd say just kind of probably most real foods is – not each product tastes the same. All of these, you know, mass produced uh stuff by big agriculture and factories, that's our goal is very much let's find a formula that each one can taste the same. So, you know, they use these like chemicals where mm-hmm. it has universal taste, um, a lot of kind of homogeny. But um with the thing of, you know, fermented foods just any real foods, it's kind of I think it's kind of a nice thing. They have a little different taste with each and you know, it all depends on kind of uh very specific factors of when it's being made. I, I find it uh, more exciting that kind of each uh, each kombucha can taste different, and it's, it's that way with, with a lot of things, a lot of um, people that have my show, they say that's a unique thing, but their product is each each one kind of tastes a little different.
1: Yeah, definitely, I mean, you want to try to have some product consistency for the consumer. But um, yeah, since it isn't a live product and it is totally unpasteurized and we, you know, we don't add anything to it, it's really, we ferment the tea with the organic cane sugar and we take it right out of fermentation, cold store it, and then we're not adding any other sweetener, flavoring. Um, the only flavor that has any flavoring at all is the melon. We add an organic melon flavoring. So it is going to vary on you know, each batch, how much SCOBY is in that batch, if it, you know, if it fermented for eight days or 10 days or however long. So it is going to vary a little bit, but as long as you're using the same tea and and there's pretty much the same method and there's some familiarity for the consumer, then I think that's the way to go when it comes to making kombucha products. And a lot of kombucha companies have have done that pretty well. Um, You know, we like to pride ourselves on, having the world's best tasting kombucha and it's still all organic usda certified organic uh, raw and pasteurized and all the same health benefits Um, but it's it's just a great category as a whole and it's a growing category and once people start drinking kombucha i think they really you know it's such a small part of the population that have been drinking it but the ones that do are very loyal to it and really kind of fall in love with the product because it has so many benefits and so many uses like you said you can drink it in the morning we can drink it, you know, at night. You know, I've been drinking kombucha when I barbecue lately instead of, you know, in the past I used to drink beer when I barbecue. So, you know, it's a great alternative to a variety of beverages.
0: Nice. I like that about drinking kombucha when you barbecue. Now, do you ever try, like, pouring a little beer in the bottom of a glass and then pouring kombucha on top of it?
1: Uh, I've never tried that. Actually, um, with beer and kombucha, they're both fermented beverages, and the yeasts are different. So you actually might have a little bit of an upset stomach if you mix. It depends how sensitive you are. But a lot of people, if they drink kombucha and a couple hours later they have beers, they kind of feel a little bloated um, and uncomfortable. What i found is people that are using it as a mixer, are mixing like a vodka with it. Um, you know, I know Hannah mentioned that when I, you mentioned Hannah Crumb and kombucha camp. She mentioned she likes to add some kettle one at times. And a few other people. And that's that's great. You can use it as a healthy mixer. It's certainly a lot better than using a Red Bull or something like that. But um, I, I did try that after everyone talking about it, and it. what's interesting is the kombucha kind of hides the taste of the vodka. It doesn't taste that much different than drinking regular kombucha. I'm not a big uh, vodka drinker, so I don't really use it as a mixer, but there's certainly there's that whole category, too, is using it as a mixer, and you get kind of a kombucha buzz along with it. You know, obviously the
0: alcohol buzz. Yeah, I've not tried either the um, putting beer at the bottom because I kind of – I still like to drink beer, but that's sort of you – know, for me, it's kind of – that's still something I would like to, to enjoy as beer, and um, kombucha certainly uh, enjoyed that. So how did you specifically um, decide on the three flavors that you make for the boo?
1: Well, we actually launched um, – we started in Hawaii. A little over a year ago, and we had five flavors. And we kind of we were in Hawaii. That's where my previous employment was, where I met my two business partners, and we decided just to start there, start small, and get some feedback from the consumers. And we had five flavors, um, and we decided to move to California to expand. We would narrow it down to our top three selling flavors, making it a lot easier to penetrate the market, um, asking for less shelf space, but also we wanted to go in with three flavors we know would sell. What I think the mistake a lot of beverage companies do is they launch with seven or ten flavors, and then, you know, six months later, half of them got kicked off the shelf, and there's kind of a negative stigma with the brand, with the retailers and the consumers. So instead, we took the opposite approach to start with three flavors we know sell, we know we're great tasting, and we know we'll all succeed. And we have other flavors in the pipeline. Uh, one we'll be bringing out in the next month or two. But, um, you know, melon is a great product for a non-kombucha drinker. It's kind of like a honeydew melon, and it's very smooth and easy to drink. It's probably the least kombucha out of all um, the kombuchas of any brands, especially ours. And um, so if someone's trying kombucha for the first time, one of our brands, we're at a demo or at an expo, and they've never had kombucha before, I always, you know, hand them a a sample of the melon first because – I think that's kind of a, it lures in a non kombucha drinker. So we have the melon, which has done really well. It's been uh, probably one of our top selling flavors. It depends on what area we're in. You know, downtown LA, we sell lavender the best. When you go, you know, in Orange County, we sell probably a little bit more melon, we're selling out of quicker. Um, the lavender is a huge, we have a huge following with current kombucha drinkers, people who drink kombucha all the time because it has. Um, That familiarity, there's a lot of bite to it. It's kind of a seven-up type of bite, and um, it's flavored just with the lavender petals that are in the organic tea. We don't add anything to it. And then the tropical, that was one of our first flavors we launched and has been one of the best sellers since we launched it.
0: Interesting about which ones are the more popular. Um, I like all the flavors, but I have to say I'm partial to the tropical. I don't know if it's maybe – that's the one with the black tea, so – Maybe that's part of it. Um, not sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, maybe it's made with the black tea, and then we've got the dried fruit in the tropicals. So we're not adding anything after the fermentation. There's actually some uh, hibiscus and uh, dried mango and passion fruit in the organic uh, black tea that we use, and that's what flavors the product. So it's a real—I don't know—it just tastes. It doesn't taste like anything's been added you know we we tried doing some samplings with different organic flavorings on you know a variety and it you know when you add a flavor and you
0: Oh, hold on. We seem to have lost uh, seem to have lost our guest here. Give me a second and put him back on.
1: Are we there? Yeah, sorry. sorry. seem to have lost cool. you. Um, so where was I? I was talking about the tropical flavor. Right. So it, yeah, it's flavored with the organic dried fruit that's in the tea, and um, yeah, so that's all. That's all we have is those three flavors for now. But we've got one in the next thirty to sixty days that'll come out, and then we've got two more we'll probably launch towards the end of summer, which I think are all going to be real winners. Right.
0: What are the flavors that are coming out?
1: Uh, well, the one that's going to be out in about a month is tangerine, and then we'd uh. We like to keep those secret because there is another kombucha company that's uh, a little bit of a copycat that might steal some of our ideas. So we do have a a couple of the flavors of tangerines already in the works and it's, it's awesome. It, It smells like tangerine. When you open the bottle, it's just like when you peel a tangerine open and it's not orange. A lot of people think, Oh, it's like a blood orange or it's an orange. And it's, it's, it's actually, it's a tangerine and it's really good. It's a black tea base. And, um, it's a little sweet so I think the people that are kind of non-kombucha drinkers or like it a little bit more sweet will, you know will really be a fan of this product.
0: Right, well, it sounds great to me. I mean, I think you know, thing I like but the tropical is the fruit. I I like tend to like the kombuchas where it has a few varieties of fruit and tangerine sounds good cuz actually um I've been experimenting a little with making my own kombucha and I've been trying the um trying one that was like a citrus one. So, I think the tangerine certainly I'll be looking forward to trying that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was actually one of our flavors in Hawaii that we dropped was citrus and it tasted great. I think it was the name citrus. Um, you know, someone reads citrus on the bottle and doesn't sound as exciting. And we thought orange was a little boring, but tangerine, we found a, a newer, a better tea. And I think the name tangerine's a little bit more intriguing to the I, consumer.
0: I think so. Tangerine sounds maybe a little bit more exotic, what have you, or something like that.
1: Yeah, and we're always trying to offer some that's not currently on the market. I mean, yeah, there's tons of tropical beverages, but as far as like a lavender, there was no lavender. There was no real melon option, and I don't think there's a tangerine option that I know of.
0: Yeah, um, not that I know of either. And interesting, there's not a lavender because I know that's uh, one of kind of the uh, the basic uh, kind of uh, flavorings you can use for a food. So it's uh, interesting to see no yeah. one's done no one's done straight that. Um, but I see you've kind of so you've kind of focused more on just kind of ones that have kind of one specific flavor versus doing some of these where they mix in like, you know, three different uh, unique flavors.
1: Yeah, we may do that in the future. I think we try to keep everything of it about our whole product kind of clean and simple, you know, like the way we make it, we put a lot into it when it really comes down to it, the ingredients are just organic cane sugar, the kombucha culture, and the organic tea. Um, you know, some other ones add juice or they add other things to it. Um, and it's kind of, if you look at our bottle, it's a simple, we're not making a lot of health claims. There's not, I mean, our bottle is kind of a clean packaging. It's really minimalistic. And I think that's kind of, we just are going for the clean, simple, healthy, organic, but great tasting, uh, kind of image from, from start to finish with the product and the packaging and the delivery.
0: Right, and I have to say, I like that your bottles are in glass, which most it seems most kombuchas are, but certainly any product that sells in in glass over plastic, always glad to see.
1: No, oh, definitely. That's yeah, an important thing.
0: Yeah. Um, now, now speaking about it, um, you say it's a non-alcoholic beverage. Um, I know there was a little thing. Um, was it maybe like uh, end of last year or um, sometime last year about. Um, kombucha is being taken uh, off the shelf of like of whole foods because of the alcohol content.
1: Yeah, there were several brands that were above the 0.5 limit, which is, um, you know, the 0.5 limit is something they come up with, you know, in the 1920s during the prohibition. And that's been in place since then. Um, That's unfortunate, but it's a challenge for any kombucha maker because it is alive and it wants to ferment. Um, We are doing, a lot of things to control that and we do a lot of tests so i'm confident that we're always going to be in good shape uh, because we're kind of putting forth the work and the extra steps and paying more for extra cold storage We're, you know we're not bottling warm and letting it sit there and self-carbonate um there's too much you know it could vary too much with alcohol and also the taste so we're taking a lot of extra steps to control it. And I think you know, at the same time, it's those same steps that control the taste and preserve the taste. Because kombucha, as you're fermenting, it's too sweet, it's too sweet, it's too sweet. It's just right. And then by the next day, it could start getting vinegary on you and sour. So the same things that control the taste, we found have control the alcohol. And uh, so we're just taking those extra steps. Because not all the companies got pulled off the shelf when that happened. There were several, like Kombucha 2000 never got pulled off the shelf because they never tested above the .5. So, but yeah, that's going to be a challenge for any Kombucha company. And uh, hopefully we don't have another, you know, another scare like that because it's really hard in the entire category.
0: It is, and it's also that whole story, a lot of people's reactions because like if they Google Kombucha and they see the stories that, and so what was your company you weren't affected by that when they took it off the shelf
1: no it was actually i think it was mid to early 2000 it almost was two years ago so we really were just more at the prototype stage we spent nine months you know trying to make the stuff taste as good as we could doing different tests with different teas and different flavorings and um and then we spent almost a year coming up with our bottle and we couldn't find a bottle. We ended up making the bottle from scratch. We've actually built the mold and, and created a new bottle because we couldn't find a bottle. So we spent a lot of ground time uh, developing the product. And we were, it was during that time when there was the, you know, the recall of the kombucha being pulled off the shelf, which was a little interesting. We were lucky that we avoided, but it definitely, you know, made us aware that this is, an, you know, this is a huge issue and you know, it's nice to see the category come roaring back so quickly afterwards.
0: Absolutely. And always when I hear the thing about taking kombucha off the shelf, I think of that. That I don't know if you've seen the uh, the Whole Foods parking lot video where he mentions about taking kombucha off the shelf.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a, I love that video. I think that's hilarious. Oh,
0: me too. I mean, you know, I'm, I shop at Whole Foods, and so I can relate to all the things he talks about, you know, in those – those Whole Foods, I mean, that was uh, filmed in L.A., so, and I think that probably uh, puts, uh, you know, because that was just such a popular video that was being, you know, floated around on YouTube, everyone was posting on their Facebook, so I'm sure that that helped people, some people, you know, become more aware of what kombucha is when they said it in the video.
1: Yeah, anything that helps grow awareness about the category, because, I you know, I really believe this is a beverage of the next generation. I mean, it's been around for thousands of years, but nothing gets big in america until it's you know easily accessible and now that it's a you know an rtd a ready to drink um i think kombucha could be you know 10 times the size it is now the the category you know over the next 15 to 20 years um you know barring another alcohol scare but i think if you can control the alcohol if someone starts drinking kombucha and they drink they buy three or four bottles and they drink a bottle every day for the next four days they're going to be a fan of kombucha because of the way it makes you feel um, compared to any other beverage. There's no other beverage that will give you that feeling, um, that natural energy that, that you don't crash from, the help with digestion. There's no other beverage in the world that gives you those kind of health benefits where you can feel it. And that's what people want these days, whether they buy a supplement or a beverage. They want to feel it as a, and enjoy tasting it.
0: Right. I'd see a definite growth in the years to come as well. Have you seen, certainly since you've started the boo, that there's been a growth of the people that are interested in kombucha and know what kombucha is?
1: Yeah, it'd be surprising. We're mainly just in uh, health food stores and, you know, a lot of small chains. we are still a very young company, Um, but stores like Mother's or, you know, the Ventura Lots, and so you get a little sampling from those types of customers. I'd say about half the customers that shop at a, at a health food store like those um, are familiar with it. And then we're also in some stores that are more like wine and cheese stores that are niche stores, and it might just be us and then one other kombucha who's a category leader, where we're, it's kind of a new frontier, a little bit more so. There's not seven kombuchas on the shelf like a health food store. There's us plus one more um some of them it's only us and that's you know you get down to one out of 10 people one out of 20 people there know what kombucha is so you're really going in there and having to introduce the whole category not just the product to the consumer
0: mm, the wine and cheese stores well, that's interesting and certainly because you were saying it's something where you can substitute like a beer when you know when uh or like a yeah. wine when
1: so that's uh that's a good place for it there, you know, based on what yeah, you're saying. I mean, they're small groceries. It's like the you know, in some of the communities throughout California, they'll have like a, you know, like Scott's Valley market up near Santa Cruz is a great example. Um, there's there's some accounts that we'll go into where, you know, it's like a small corner grocery store, but they have, you know, the vitamins and the healthy options, a great deli selection. And they have like a huge wine and cheese selection. And it's kind of like a nice little niche family environment type of center that I think a lot of people feel welcome when they try new things. And, uh, You know, I think a lot of people are into buying organic more than ever before, into buying local more than ever before, supporting the local business, especially in California um, and Hawaii, but I was surprised Hawaii buying local was huge. And then I moved to California and I'd say it's even bigger here. So being in, you know, being made in California definitely gives us a competitive advantage and, you know, it's kind of ground zero for the kombucha market, whether it's, San Francisco Bay Area or the LA area, um, the awareness is about as great as it's going to be anywhere when it comes to kombucha and just what's new on the health food and health beverage uh, category.
0: And can we find the boo in places all up the coast of California?
1: Yeah, we're in. The, I mean, we're in about 60 accounts, but we're not in any of the big accounts like the you know the Sprouts or the Whole Foods yet. Um, but we're in, you know, Mother's Market in Orange County, Jimbo's is a small chain down in San Diego, Lassen's in Tura County, uh, Air One, and um, several other one-offs um, throughout California. A lot of the, you know, large independents or small chains, New Frontiers. Um, so there's a bunch of accounts, but the most of you know, like the local health food store type of accounts.
0: Right. What are some of the other ones in the Los Angeles area that we can find the boo?
1: Uh, well, Malibu, we're at PC Greens. Uh, Raw, Real, Alive, we're in there. Uh, the most few is Lassens. Um, where else? I think that's about it in California. I don't have the list in front of me. I'm sorry, in California, in the LA area. I've been spending a lot of time down in Orange County and San Diego. And then our home market here in Ventura.
0: I know one of them is Grassroots Natural in Pasadena or South Pasadena. That was that was actually where I first discovered you.
1: Oh yeah, that's a great store. We do a lot of demos there. That will be another account.
0: Right. Yeah. I yeah. They were actually they were doing a demo when I went there, and yeah, I love that store. I mean, it's um, great selection of a lot of different things because a lot of um, just a good selection of a lot of like baking products, and tends to be more kind of a lot of not as much like a you know, organic produce, but a lot of just great like organic yet yeah, drinks and things for, like for baking and like natural supplements, um and also some good raw milk. They have a grassroots. So. Yeah.
1: That's a great store. No, they're awesome. There, it, there's a lot of, I mean, it's nice to go in and meet the people and meet the owners. I actually really like working with some of these smaller accounts, Follow Your Heart, and Canoga Park's another account we're in where the, you know, people there are just really friendly and nice and easy to work with, and, you know, same with Maddie's Market. The guy there is awesome that I work with, Don, and, you know, it's, it's kind of nice, those one-offs. You know, they're not going to get too rich, but they're. it's such a good test for your product and good to build those relationships. You don't really get that opportunity with the bigger accounts to, you know, build the relationship, get to meet the people in person. Um, you're more, you know, here's your SKU, here's your number, you know, get in line. Um, so, yeah, I love working with the local health food stores throughout the L.A. and Southern California area.
0: Right. I think that's a good thing to actually to work with more of the one-offs. I mean, I think it very much... Fits them out of your product because people that go the one-offs, you know, are certainly going to be more likely to buy something that's local that they don't necessarily need the, the brand recognition. So I think that would be a good place. Actually, would kind of, have people have kind of the same, same mindset uh, to get your product.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's just easier to work with and. You know, it's a good it's a good test for your product too. You know, we did plenty of that's what we did in Hawaii. We launched at an account called Down to Earth, and there's five of them in Hawaii. That makes it the the biggest uh, health food chain in Hawaii. But there's, you no, know, it's, it's a small. You get a small sampling. You get feedback from the consumers, and you you know you always think you know about your product, but you really don't know until you get feedback from the consumer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's. Uh... It's certainly true, um, yeah, so how have you found um oh let, we mentioned about um follow your heart, I think that's interesting you mentioned that because I was saying earlier that it's certainly kombucha is a product which kind of has uh it applies to a lot of different groups, and I mean, follow your heart that's a vegetarian restaurant, and so so there is this kombucha with you know that has appeal to vegans and then also um you know it's a thing recommended by the Weston A. Price Foundation, you know, you know, which is an organization for people like me that, you know, we're about, you know, eating sustainable meat. So there is that cross appeal of kombucha, um, which I think, you know, that's, it has, a, there's a great market because it appeals to so many different groups.
1: Yeah. And I think once, you know, hopefully we've broken the taste barrier and we get more people drinking instead of drinking, you know, some of these, energy drinks or soda pops, or, you know, maybe they don't want to get as much caffeine to drink less coffee. I think really the category has got so much upside potential because everybody's really a potential kombucha customer. Once they drink it and feel the benefits, I mean people complain about the price $3, dollars three fifty, but I mean, look at what they spend at Starbucks. They'll spend five bucks on a coffee. So I think when people, when the awareness grows of the category, which I believe it already is, um, more and more people will drink it, but I don't think you have to be a vegetarian or a vegan or, you know, you don't even have to eat organic. Obviously, it's good to eat organic and, you know, we encourage people to eat healthy. But just the the, the benefits you feel from drinking it, I think if someone drinks it, you know, like I said, three, four bottles is all it takes to win someone over. They drink it, a, you know, a couple bottles straight they'll feel it. And I think they'll, they'll be aware of it and and kind of want that, you know, and then they're kind of a kombucha customer for life. Hopefully they're a taboo customer for life.
0: Right. And I like what you said about making a healthy food that, that tastes good, because certainly doing a show about, you know, convincing people to eat healthier and to eat organic. um, I, I love to hear that idea of, you know, being committed to finding a way that, People won't say, oh, you know, I mean, this because it's healthy, because it's organic, because it's local, but just it tastes good. That's kind of those are the things that I like to hear.
1: Yeah, no, there's a lot of healthy options out there that taste good. I think we've just kind of been brainwashed to think that if it tastes good, it's not good for you or, you know, they want to package it cheap, fast and easy and sell it to us. And I think. But I think those days are kind of dwindling. If you just I would say I've been in the health food and supplement industry since I was eighteen, now thirty two, and I'd say over the last five years the category and the awareness on the consumer side has been dramatic and the consumers will dictate what businesses do. So as the consumer awareness grows about eating better, eating organic, you know, having better tasting things is They'll vote with their spending. And that's kind of, I mean, you see it at Whole Foods. Look at how their business is. Or, you know, Chipotle, which is, you know, got organic meat and it's a little bit healthier option than the other fast food options. You know, look at their stock price, look at how the companies perform. They're, you know, they're growing 10 times their, you know, the former rivals, the companies of yesterday, I call them. And, uh, you know, even. Some of those companies are getting on board. Safeway just, you know, signed a deal with UNFI, which is, you know, the world's largest distributor of natural products. So, and you actually can find uh, kombucha at at Safeway and Vons now and the pavilion all owned by Safeway, you know, the leader in the category he's in those accounts now. So it's already growing. um, And I think it'll keep growing because consumers want a genuine product, want something that's going to add value, you know, not just get them to the next meal.
0: Right. Yeah, you can. I've noticed that too when you said Safeway. I was just thinking the same thing that they sell kombucha there now. And I think as far as the, the, I guess, the grocery stores of yesterday, you, you could say, um, Safeway Vons probably have the best commitment, I think, to the organic foods. Um, and this is a thing that I've been – promoting a lot of my radio show is the idea of actually encouraging people to shop at these stores like Vons and Ralph's and Albertsons, uh, you know, even if you're into organics, because they do sell some there. And so it's a thing that I say, you know, if best, uh, you know, only get their organic foods while you're there. So, you know, if any money that's you're giving to them is is for those products, it's encouraging them. Plus, it's a thing of also I say, you know, Go to customer service and tell them products you want to carry. So, you know, the listeners, they should go into their Vons and their Ralphs and say that they would like to see them carrying the boo.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Everybody should run out and tell Ralphs and Safely to carry the boo. No, but seriously, I think I think that's a great point. Um, and Safely, I think, is ahead head of the competition for mainstream grocery. I mean, this was about nine months ago, but I saw uh, – a rating that basically said Safeway was number two after Whole Foods for having the healthiest options, the most organic products. Um, so they're ahead of the curve, and I think they'll, you know, they'll be succeeding 20, 30 years from now. Other mainstream grocery, I'm, I'm not sure if they'll get on board. And if, you know, not all consumers are going to jump on the bandwagon. There's people that are kind of stuck in their ways, and or just are kind of ignorant to what they put in their body and how it affects their body, and they aren't making an effort to really learn about healthier options and how that you know adds value to your life and the the way you live.
0: Right. Safeway, I think they're the one of the conventional grocers that they, I think they're the only one that actually have a line of organics. They have those ones called, I think, the O that has on it. So, I mean, they have a whole line that I can certainly see that, how they rank uh, next to whole foods i mean i've also you know just seen in there seen more of the, like the grass fed meats in their their meat section you see more of that um i know ralphs has started these ones they call the ones where it says fresh fare under ralphs is supposed to have more selection of organics which it's all right although i mean it, it's all a kind of in one section which i guess is good that you have an easy section to find it although it also kind of feels like well, you just see this one section of it it also makes it feel kind of small in terms of the whole store of, of what they provide. But, you know, it is a step in the right direction. Um, and it is certainly a thing that a lot of people say as far as, you know, some say, oh, well, we can never, you know, the organic will never work because, you know, people want stuff that's easy to uh, easy to produce, that, you know, you can produce more, which uh, it's it's hard for me to see that we'll ever go 100% organic, but any to any of the naysayers, I have to say, well, you know I'm seeing more organic options every month, you know, certainly they're more than I saw a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, and it's growing, so I think something is being done right about getting people to eat more organics,
1: yeah, no definitely I mean the cat it's never gonna be hundred percent organic options out there for consumers, but hey, the cat and as long as it's growing, I think it could double or triple from where it is now. I mean, if like I said, the growth just over the last five years and the awareness is increased so dramatically that I think it has legs like, to continue. And, uh, you know, any, any improvements, improvements. So, you yeah, know, I think it's a good category to be in anything that has to do with organic or, you know, a beverage or a food product or a vitamin product that, you know, adds real benefits to the consumer. And, uh, you know, that's the category we intend to stay in.
0: Right. And I think there is some need to still have, you know, a small part of it be conventional. This was something that Graham Merriweather, who runs the site, Leave It Better and directed the film American Meat, brought up on my show was that, um, you know, because I have organic, uh, you know, it's about very much having a, a local supply that you get there. Um, you know, it's very much more localized versus the conventional where you have one – central point and you know it is sometimes needed if there's some type of like emergency and the only place we can get it from is, is the centralized location
1: yeah yeah there's some validity to that
0: i think so but you know still it's sort of you know i don't want to pick in the other way of oh you know don't uh don't go local go for the conventional i think you know do do local as as much as possible and organic as much as possible.
1: No, oh, definitely.
0: Yeah, I mean you know, it's a thing of, you know, even with you know, switching to kombucha is not like I've completely given up, you know, drinking other things. I mean I drink certainly kombucha the most, probably next to water, that's uh most common thing I drink. But you know, I do like to still have a beer and um I have actually I've actually not had uh not had caffeinated coffee since starting it which I've I keep saying I've never uh, I haven't given it up completely but for the most part because I was drinking like coffee like every day and um, I actually with taking the kombucha challenge I I stopped drinking it and I part of the thing is it was just it was a good thing for me to uh, to tell myself I can commit to something which is making it easier than as as I'm trying to cut out other things out of my diet that was kind of the first step was you know, it was Making kombucha, this was a big change and it kind of uh, gives me a motivation to do what to make kind of things out of my diet, like sugary desserts and things like that. Yep. By, by first uh, doing the kombucha challenge,
1: no, I think that was great. You know, we were happy to take part in the kombucha challenge. The one beverage that I've that I have completely cut out has been soda. You know, I used to drink diet soda, but it doesn't have sugar in it, but it's loaded with aspartame. And, things that are horrible for you. Um and so whether you drink, you know, diet soda, regular soda, kombucha is a great substitute to that. I haven't had soda in, I don't know, over a year. And uh coffee and beer, I still have it every once in a while, but I kombucha is the only thing I drink on a daily basis, every single day. Um, besides water, you know. So juice, coffee, beer, every once in a while, maybe once or twice a week. But um yeah, I don't know. Kombucha is really the main beverage, partly because I'm around it all day long, but also just because it doesn't have any artificial sweetener. It's got the same amount of sugar as you'd find in carrot juice. So, it you know, it's low-carb, but it's not, you know, it doesn't have any artificial sweetener. It doesn't have to be artificial sweetened because there's some natural sweetener from the organic sugar. And, uh, you know, it provides all kinds of health benefits you can feel, and it'll give you kind of a healthy energy. That's sustainable. You don't crash from it later in the day, and you're being tired. And it helps suppress my appetite a little bit too. So if I'm working and I don't want to leave to go get lunch, I'll just drink a little more kombucha, and it kind of puts off, you know, my appetite for a few more hours.
0: Oh, absolutely, it has that too, and it's been a thing for me also of, yeah, be having that. You can do that like instead of a snack, and also it's just made me crave less middle in the day by, by drinking kombucha. So that's a benefit of it. Um, we brought up about the about the, uh, the aspartame like the diet sodas that diet sodas, I mean, they're dangerous because they do kind of the opposite of kombucha. What they are is they have this very sweet taste that actually makes you crave more. And so not a fan of, of the diet sodas. Um, if you are going to do a soda, I recommend doing one with cane sugar, which that's something that I do in moderation. Like I like, I don't like the taste of, of the Coke with, uh, with cane sugar. Um, because there's a thing for me, I've actually, I like the taste of Diet Coke better than regular Coke. Um, so I pretty much just avoided pretty much anything Coke. But occasionally I want to have like a root beer with that's you know, made with cane sugar. So I do that. That's another one I do occasionally. But like you, I'm pretty much, two things I drink every day are kombucha and water.
1: Yeah. Good.
0: Um. Now have you found how have you found uh just the area of Los Angeles as far as being uh the place where your business is? Is it very helpful in terms of running kombucha business?
1: Yeah, I mean we're a little north of Los Angeles, we're in Ventura County. Um which is which is good. I mean you gotta be near LA. It's it's such an import export area and you know, trying to run this from Hawaii, we would have stayed a local company forever. Um so, you know, it's, it's great. I mean, I've got no quorums with starting a business in California. You hear a lot of people complain about this or that or taxes or regulations. And, you know, that's actually been um, – we got all the regulatory stuff. We were at the certified kitchen. We got the certified organic with the state of California. And, um, you know, none of them were impossible to work with. You, you know, you work with them, you get it done. So I think um, – California is a great place to do business. I, I you know, don't believe the hype What you hear in the news that it's you can't start a business in California because you certainly can.
0: I think you have to start the right business and something like the kombucha, which is very popular with the mindset of people in like the L.A. and the San Francisco area. That's I think that's the type of business that you start in California.
1: Yeah, or, or a tech company that always works, too. Yeah, you do have that yeah. as
0: well. right um but certainly and so so is a lot of your business in los angeles is that where a lot of it's done
1: um you know i'd say it's pretty balanced the bay area i'd say probably 40% of our sales are coming from the bay area the other 40 to 50%s coming from um you know ventura san diego and then you know hawaii probably makes about 10% of our business where we started so I mean, it's still early days for us. We just signed a, a deal with uh tree of life, which is a, you know, a nationwide, uh, natural foods distributor. Um, they merged with KE and so we'll be expanding our distribution dramatically over the next several months. But, um, at this point we're still in the, you know, it's, we're still in kind of year one in California and, um, We'll see, but I think it's there's tons of potential in the state of California alone for any health beverage company. You know, you could do very well just staying in California.
0: I would agree with because that. Because there's too many people. Right. Yeah. Are there plans to, like, expand to, like, certainly, like, smaller areas of California as well as maybe some of the other southwestern states?
1: Yeah, I mean, Colorado is a huge kombucha market. Um Actually, Texas, you'd be surprised, is a a great health food. I mean, there's just a lot of people there, too. But there's a big market there. And then now you get out to the East Coast. But um, Colorado, Arizona, there's a a couple accounts we're in. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, I went to Solvang yesterday. There's a New Frontiers up there, beautiful little community. And you'd be surprised. The store's doing gangbusters out in the middle of nowhere. There's a health food store that just does awesome business.
0: Right. Well, Solvang, that's a wine county, so, I mean, you are talking about how it was sold in, being sold in, like, a wine and cheese store. So I could see it working in some of those wine communities up the Central Coast.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, Carmel, there's a couple of wine stores that we're in that, you know, half the store is wine, and the other half, it's kind of a nice little market. And there's some beautiful communities. That's been the one benefit is getting to travel around you know, the coast and throughout California and see some of these communities over the last year, like Carmel or Solvang. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's interesting what you say about some of the other areas where there's uh, interesting kombucha, like in, uh, in Colorado, because I know certainly I'm from Cleveland. It seems like I think a lot of people there probably are probably not familiar with it. So is it more the larger cities that tend to be the ones that are you know, the biggest uh demand for kombucha
1: yeah i think whenever you get closer to the west coast and along the east coast and the metropolitan areas there's just more enlightenment in general people are just more educated about you know a variety of things especially how to eat you know what's new how to use technology how to you know what types of foods eating organic so i think um You know, that's just the way it is. That's what I think that's what you'll see in any industry. You know, people that are hip to the new things are in the metropolitan areas. So if you go the closer you get to LA or San Francisco or New York or, you know, Chicago, the more you're going to find awareness about anything that's new in a growing category, whether it's a health beverage or a technology.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, and certainly I think also these areas they know more about the benefits of like eating eating live food, you know, foods with live cultures, because you know it's the thing of um, I'm a big supporter of raw milk, and I find really in in L.A. no one has any issue with uh, when they hear the term raw milk that they think it's like bad, but uh, people in Cleveland they're like, oh, raw milk that doesn't sound good, so I can mean, that goes along the same thing because raw milk is nothing that has live uh, healthy cultures in it like kombucha and so i think that's a benefit mm-hmm. of you know area like la that people are enlightened about it
1: oh definitely yeah it's ground zero i would say southern california if, if you have a new health food product um and just go down shop at air one i mean you'll see things you've never seen before i mean there's like Cold pressed juices selling for you know ten dollars a glass that's like you wouldn't find that anywhere else you know in the United States other than downtown l a so you know maybe maybe San Francisco there's some stores like that, but there's really you know an awareness and people have money to spend on things that they perceive value in and they perceive value in things that are very healthy for their body, so yeah, no, it's a great area it's it's kind of a a half to be in area if you're doing something like this
0: right i love air one because they have yeah they have a great kombucha selection because you can get the boo and also get hannah crumbs kombucha camp there so certainly recommend air one as a great store for many natural foods and certainly for kombucha i think it's one of the best to get kombucha there
1: yeah if you want to go try something new in the health food category, you know, that you've never seen before, you could probably find it at that store.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's been great to have you on our show. Um, we're going to have to go to our desserts in a second. But before we go, tell people where they can find the website for The Boo.
1: Uh, it's com, And you can go to our homepage to learn a bit more about the products, the flavors, If you have any questions, there's a contact us page on there. Um, So, yeah, check us out. And if you're in Orange County, the Mothers, San Diego, uh, Jimbo's, and then uh, the Lassins up in Ventura throughout L.A. and then some of the other local health food stores. So, well, thanks for having me and uh, good luck to you.
0: Thanks. Yes, it's been great to have you on our show, Ryan. And so, again, everyone uh, look for kombucha at your local natural foods uh, store in L.A. and uh, throughout the state of California. And now we go to our desserts. My recommendations on what's appropriate to eat this week. Tomorrow, the Beverly Hills Bar Association will be holding its 24th annual Vintage Boutique to benefit its pro bono legal services. It'll feature tastes from many of the top restaurants, including one of my favorites, Wooden Vine, which uses grass-fed beef, and food that's from local, sustainable, and organic sources. Also, the long-awaited Highland Park French Eatery Ba Restaurant has finally opened. This served customers f- last Sunday, and coincidentally, or maybe not so coincidentally, is right after I moved into my house there. Uh, so I have two recommendations for things at Ba. First, listeners know I love a good grass-fed beef. And this restaurant is the first one in Los Angeles, at least that I know of, where you can get a grass-fed organic filet mignon. Secondly, there's my weekly pick for foie gras, and this is something that I'm going to be doing every week until the ban of foie gras on July 1st. Ba Restaurant has a foie gras appetizer served with a brioche and pear confit. That's all for this week of The Appropriate Omnivore find out more about my stories, my guests, and the events happening this week, visit my blog at appropriateomnivore.blogspot.com. My guests next week are Rhonda DeFelice, the Good Green Witch, and Johnny Dam, the Angry Omnivore, to help me kick off Meet Lovers May.